Welcome to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, your guide to good food, good health, and a good life. And now, here's your host, Nutrition Network Advisor and author of the Nourishment Mindset, Dixie Huey. Happy Transformation Tuesday, y'all. Welcome to, we're back to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, where we are on a metabolic mission to help you achieve vitality and reverse chronic lifestyle conditions. Using my three principles, real whole foods, straight talk, and the pleasures of the table. As always, thanks to all of you who are watching on YouTube at The Nourishment Mindset, listening on one of the many podcast platforms, especially to my subscribers. If you haven't yet subscribed, go to favorfat.substack.com. That way you will get everything first and foremost. And also thank you to those who've taken a minute to leave a review on those podcast apps or send me a note from the YouTube channel. Or my goodness, you know what I would really love? Um, If you've read the book, please take one minute to just pop on into that Amazon link, which I will have in my email to subscribers and give the book a review. I'm not even asking for the five stars. Of course, I'd love five stars, but I have to earn that. So if you've read the book and you haven't left a review, pretty, pretty, please do so. It would mean the world to me. So my family and I are just back from France. We love France, particularly Southern France. In France, I usually just only have wine when I'm like eating dinner or whatever, but I did meet a new thing, an Aperol Spritz. So I have one of those right now. And I know that's like super (laughs) controversial for a health coach to be consuming alcohol. Um, But I identify as more of like, say, a European or French health coach. So this drink is delicious and super refreshing. I'm not saying for y'all to go drink alcohol. I'm just celebrating summer here. My kid's going back to school in like a week, which is nuts. Um, So I'm sipping on summer. If you've never had an Aperol spritz, it's actually Aperol, I believe it's Italian um, bitter type uh, aperitif, digestif kind of thing. I don't know much about non-wine adult beverages, um, but it's a blend of that. It's kind of a reddish orange color. It's beautiful. And you put sparkling water in and that's healthy and a little bit of sparkling wine. And then my husband topped this off with a orange slice. So it's fabu. Um, so if you want to try Aperol spritz, let me know what you think. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today I have two topics that I want to bring up. The first one is one of my absolute favorites. And the second um, has to do with a business that I really um, admire. They're called Celine River Press. I do occasional writing for Celine River Press. And the first topic, though, before we get into Celine River Press and the article that I just wrote in their interview, I mentioned I have a favorite topic. One of my absolute big hot favorite topics is cholesterol. Yes, cholesterol is so important that it got a whole entire chapter in my book. It is chapter 18, and that is titled Cholesterol, Paranoia, 
syndrome. So if you've read the book, you know all about CPS and the dangers of CPS. And if you haven't, please dive on in and find out. Let's go over just some fun facts. I'm not going to read chapter 18 to y'all. I think I actually did that in one of my earlier podcasts. But I do want to remind you some fun facts about cholesterol before I dive into my ranting and raving, which is uh, regarding an article that I read while on vacation. So some fun facts about cholesterol. Now, when you get your blood work done and you get it back, um, there are reference ranges, right? And so back in the day, the reference range for cholesterol to be considered normal, and if you're watching YouTube, you see my air quotes, was 300 or lower. So you don't, according to these powers that be, you don't want to be above 300, bad stuff. Well, the reference range uh, has been dropped to 200. So what does that do? Why is that significant? Well, if you are a statin maker, big pharma, you love this because, oh my gosh, a bunch of people have high cholesterol now. A bunch more people have high cholesterol. And so we can get them on that daily statin. So that's wonderful, right? Well, no. Statins have all kinds of risk factors ranging from things like sore joints, tummy upset, to things like it, statins are linked with type 2 diabetes and dementia. So this is not a pill that you should pop lightly. And I am not ever giving medical advice on this podcast. I would say this about any medication, anything that you are swallowing, injecting, all of that stuff, don't do it lightly. If your doctor wants you to take a statin, you need to be really clear about what the side effects, the risk reward ratio, all of that good stuff. And if you or someone out there who's struggling with this, or maybe you have side effects from taking that and you want to talk to me about that offline, go right ahead and find me. Just pop on my website, favorfat.com. You can send me an email. Um, we can chat a little bit more about that offline. But again, fun facts. So we talked about how the threshold has been lowered from 300 to 200, now qualifying a bunch of people for statin therapy. Um, but you need to know that if you don't eat enough cholesterol, your body is going to make it. Hmm. Why would your body make something that's dangerous? I don't know. That's a little strange. Also, fun fact, cholesterol is the building block for every single cell in your body. Ponder that for a moment. Hmm. If it's so bad, so evil. Why is it a cellular building block? Here's another thing. LDL, this is the one they call bad. So bad. It's, this bad stuff is essential for your immune system function. So why would we want to lower something that is essential for our immune function? Because that's what statin therapy does. It targets LDL. And by reducing LDL, you're, of course, reducing total cholesterol. But that's what everyone has their eyes on that's all paranoid about cholesterol. Here's another fun fact. And to get them all, you're going to have to pick up a copy of my book, The Nourishment Mindset. For women, LDL increases naturally postpartum and in menopause, which is interesting, right? Because menopause for women is sort of a middle age thing. And this is when a lot of people are told that they have dangerously high cholesterol and need to take statins. 
but our bodies are doing this naturally. A lot of the initial like scary research that was done on cholesterol used one particular uh, gender for its subjects. And uh, it wasn't the females <laughs> that was tested. So a lot of cholesterol research in the past and the boogeyman research was done on men. So we women, it's a whole different ball game. In case you haven't noticed, we're, we're different, we men and women. So get the book if you haven't. If you have the book, go back to chapter 18 and reread, especially if you have a physician wanting you to pop these pills. So let me get on to the thing that started this, what has become a mini rant already. This is an article in the UK Telegraph. I'm going to pull up. Oh, and my computer is not letting me pull it up. I would have to subscribe. So I will link this in the show notes, but do know it seems like you need to subscribe. Now, for whatever reason, I can read it on my cell phone. So I'm just going to share with you this really scary boogeyman title. The Telegraph reported on July 21st, almost two thirds of women suffering from dangerous cholesterol levels. Our future health survey finds that 62% of women tested had high cholesterol compared to 46% of men. Hmm. Now, do you remember what I just said about women? and how postpartum and para and menopause cholesterol increases. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Do we see anything about that in the article? Hales, no. Why would we do that? We couldn't have boogeyman scare tactics, rather. So two-thirds of women in the UK are suffering from dangerous levels of cholesterol. Millions of people are unknowingly at significant risk of a potentially fatal heart attack or stroke half of UK adults suffering from high cholesterol. This is interesting because actually, if you really dive in, when you have cholesterol that is too low, that is what puts you at risk for stroke. The Japanese tend to have low cholesterol. In fact, so much so that years ago, <laughs> Their health agencies were telling people to eat more saturated fat because they had a stroke issue. So in order to prevent strokes, eat more saturated fat, raise cholesterol. Saturated fat, by the, by the way, rather, is the only known substance to increase HDL or good cholesterol. So that could be a whole nother show. It already has been. It will be again. There ain't nothing wrong with saturated fat. It is not evil. This is predominantly what you would think of as animal-based fat. So you find it in meat, butter, eggs, all my favorite foods. Those are my three favorite. They're the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. So let's get back to our UK article. So if you're a statin purveyor, you're pretty happy with this because half of the UK population is... Uh, available and ready to start popping your pills. So according to this article, high cholesterol is mainly caused by eating fatty food, being overweight and not exercising enough, as well as smoking and drinking alcohol. Cheers to that with my apparel spritz. So on and on and on. 
Dr. Richard Francis, the head of research at the Stroke Association, said these early findings from our future health program show us that many women could be living with unmanaged high cholesterol, a risk factor for stroke and other serious cardiovascular diseases. Again, I find this interesting because usually when people are cholesterol boogeymanning, they're talking about heart disease, but we're going with strokes here, I guess. So um, apparently we need to be screening women, blah, blah, blah. I'm not against screening. Um, but again, the problem here is twofold. Uh, the number one problem is like the fear-mongering headlines. The number two problem is this is a, a one-sided article. This almost really reads like a press release um, more than a journalistic piece. Um, according to this article, a key method of reducing this dangerously high cholesterol is to cut back on foods high in saturated fats. Ooh, that's interesting because saturated fats raise your good cholesterol. So why the hell would I want to cut back on those? Uh, Primarily, these evil saturated fats are found in red meat and full fat dairy. Yeah. So what we need to do is we need to take the dairy that nature made and we need to denature it and make it low fat. And that is much healthier. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I do agree with one thing, eliminating trans fats and eating food rich in omega-3s. Just think fatty fish, that kind of thing. But I hate these kind of articles that really are based on fear again they're one-sided and you know frankly i'm gonna you know this is a straight talk and part of my three things <laughs> real whole foods this is a straight talk part and um pleasures of the table so again let's get back to it let's get a little bit more serious i'm not advocating that if you personally have a conversation with your doctor and you decide that statins are for you, good. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm not here to tell people what to do. I am here to just shine a light, a big old bright light on the fact that there is a lot of fear mongering out there. There is a lot of money at play. Doctors are required to suggest statin therapy for someone like me who has dangerously high cholesterol above 200, despite my huge HDL, my extremely low triglycerides, and, and can be penalized for not doing so. So this is not, it's not all above board. There's a lot going on in medicine uh, that, that we're not aware of. Bonuses for a number of statins prescribed, that sort of thing. It's, it's a little bit gross. So just be aware of what's going on. And again, be aware of the risk reward ratio. So to give it a little bigger context, I mentioned my triglycerides, my HDL. So these are much better markers of metabolic health. Ideally, I like to talk optimal. You want your triglycerides under 100. Now, your reference range is going to say 150. I mentioned reference range earlier when I said that it went from 300 to 200 for cholesterol for some mysterious reason. I don't know why. And you want your HDL cholesterol, I believe the reference range is 30 for men, 40 for women. It's in my book. I should know this stuff. But um, I would say you want it above 50. You really, and, and how do we do this? How do we increase our HDL? Well, you eat saturated fats. 
Butter egg steak, bitches. That is how you do it. Here's the funny thing. Uh, to my knowledge, there's no drug that's been <laughs> made successfully to lower triglycerides. I could be wrong on this one, um, nor to increase HDL. But I'll tell you how you can do it for free without the risks of um, medicine is you can eat a diet that is rich in real whole foods, including animal foods. That'll do the trick and lower your carbohydrate intake. So I'm not saying that everyone should be in nutritional ketosis, which is what happens when you get under 50 or 30. It depends on the person grams of carbohydrates. But certainly you don't want to be eating the sad diet, standard American diet, very sad indeed, which is a high carbohydrate diet. That is like a one-way ticket to elevated triglycerides um, and, and poor metabolic health. You're basically on the diabetes uh, speed bus for that. So that's the easy and free of medicine way to do it. Takeaway here is have a conversation with your doctor, talk about the risks, rewards, figure out what's right for you. The one piece of advice I do feel comfortable giving is saying, if you're struggling with your metabolic health, give yourself six months on a low carbohydrate diet and see if that works for you. A real whole foods diet, of course. But what if that could save you from all of the prescriptions and the side effects and all of that stuff? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, food is medicine, right? All right. We're going to switch gears a little bit. I mentioned Celine River Press. This is a publisher of wonderful information about holistic health. And I am a guest blogger. On July 6th, my recent article appeared. The article is called Health Washing, Big Food Marketing Tricks and Traps. <clears throat> and I got the idea for health washing because you hear about green washing. When I worked in the wine industry, we talked about that because there are producers of wine who are farming in an organic or maybe even a biodynamic um, manner. And they invest a lot of time and money into those farming practices. And then there are the people that want to pretend like they're ecologically sustainable or sensitive or what have you. And so that's what greenwashing is when you're sort of trying to appear um, to, at least in the wine industry, um, operate and farm in a manner that is ecologically better, um, but maybe you're not actually doing that. So you're, you're greenwashing. Here I'm talking about health washing. So what is this? Here's the article. I'm just gonna read y'all a little story. Eating single ingredient, real whole foods is one of the best things we can do for ourselves. Duh, if you're a listener. Doing so naturally means avoiding ultra-processed food-like products, which are always a combination of inflammatory seed oils, sugar, denatured grains, preservatives, and fillers. According to Dr. Robert Lustig, author of Metabolical, The Lure and Lies of Processed Food, Nutrition, and Modern Medicine. I love this book, y'all. It's technical, though. So if you're not a nerd, you probably don't want to read it, but give it a whirl. If he says, Lustig says, if a food has a nutrition label, it should be considered a warning label until its ingredients are vetted. For example, 
here we go again. Eggs, beef, and broccoli do not carry nutrition labels. They don't need one. They are single ingredient, real whole foods. We have long been taught to focus on the government created ever growing food nutrition label, particularly the food's caloric, evil calories and fat content. And as we just discussed, evil, evil saturated fat. This marketing message masquerading as advice, eat fewer calories and avoid fat, particularly saturated, is hard to unlearn. And moreover, it focuses us on the wrong information. So yes, that is what I wrote. We are focused largely on the wrong information. The information you truly need when evaluating a purchase is listed in the ingredients label, which is of course nearly impossible to read. Here, the recipe for metabolic disaster hides behind unpronounceable chemical compounds used to preserve, color, emulsify these franken foods. The fact that nutrition labels have become visibly larger and ingredients labels have become smaller is no accident. It indicates a look over here strategy when it comes to the way ultra processed food manufacturers promote their products. So what I'm saying here is ultra processed food people love the calorie and fat gram nutrition label. Why not? That's great. Just count your calories. You can eat whatever you want as if all calories and energy are the same, you know, meaning a bag of Cheetos versus a, a hamburger patty might have the same calories. The Cheetos is doing nothing but depleting you. It brings zero nutritional benefit. The hamburger patty is filled with all range of awesome saturated fats. It's got vitamins. It's got all that awesome, um, you know, mineral from what the grass that the cow ate, hopefully they're fed grass, um, and, and just myriad of amazing vitamins and, and that great saturated fat. So it, it is not the same thing. Calories are not calories and they are not created equal. So for the, his, pardon, for the holistically inclined, this may not be news. Unfortunately, for the majority of Americans, it is a potent problem, especially when these tactics are combined with intentionally deceptive marketing strategies such as health washing on front labels. Y'all, this is where you have to really be careful. These front labels, damn liars. Health washing uses vague, unregulated, or misleading descriptors to portray a product as healthy. Be suspicious about what is promoted on a food's front label, perhaps even more so than on the nutrition labels. Below, I will give you a list of some of the worst health washing offenses used by big food. When you see these terms, you know you're in danger of falling prey to tricks and traps used to sell you supposedly healthy foods at a pretty and profitable price. So number one here, y'all, is net carbs. If you see a product that says net carbs, go in the other direction, put it down, walk away. For anyone who's trying to limit carbohydrates, what truly counts is the total amount of carbohydrates. Here with these net carbs, big food employs meaningless marketing math. You subtract fiber, sugar, alcohols, et cetera, from the total count to focus the unsuspecting buyer on a concept, 
This concept is, of course, net carbs. The human body does not do carbohydrate math. This is just a food marketing trick used to lure people, y'all, into highly profitable products because they're charging more for them. Keto products. This is a related growing category, including everything from freaking ice cream to bread and other starches. These producers borrow the term keto from the eating regime known as a ketogenic diet. Maddeningly, many of these so-called keto products are too high in carb count to support people wanting to get into the deeper low-carb space to live in nutritional ketosis. This is where your body is burning fat for fuel instead of glucose. In addition to paying more for a gimmick, those looking to reverse metabolic conditions such as type 2 diabetes or obesity can be harmed by this trickery. I can't tell you how many times I talk to people who are trying to follow a ketogenic diet and they pick up some keto bread and they, oh, Dixie only has, you know, three net carbs. And I say, all right, but look at the label. So thank goodness the label has, they'll put net carbs all over the front with like flashing lights, like a movie marquee. But the back, you cannot lie on the back. Back says total carbs. And so, for example, someone who was celebrating her three carb sliced bread actually found that her bread had 28 grams of total carbs. So don't, Look at net carbs, it's just BS. Egg qualifiers, here's another one. Most people paying more for cage-free or free-range eggs think they're buying nutritionally superior eggs from happy chickens roaming free outdoors, but it isn't so. To use the label cage-free, egg producers must offer a square foot, one square foot of indoor warehouse space per chicken, Free range isn't much improvement. You would think like, oh, they're free ranging on a, no, no. Two feet of space plus, this is my favorite, access to the outdoors. Do they ever actually go outdoors? I don't know, but they can like be looking at a window or something. <laughs> Such PS. What these consumers are likely looking for is called pasture raised. This refers to birds who are actually roaming outdoors eating what they should be eating, which by the way is insects. Um, it's certainly not chicken feed. So natural flavors, here's another one. Oh boy, natural, natural's good, right? So it doesn't take a lot of intellect to intuit that artificial flavors aren't good for you. These are obviously chemical shitstorms, but natural flavors come from nature, right? Same root word, eh, wrong. In addition to their plant or animal base, they contain 100 plus incidental additives like solvents and preservatives. They're created by chemists and food flavorists and they are neither natural nor regulated. The same applies to the term all natural. Both are BS. Another term, sugar-free. These products often contain sugar alcohols and added chemicals, which can stimulate your insulin response as well as enhance your sugar cravings. So for those of you who don't know what the insulin response is, this is not in the article, but briefly, when you eat a meal, it is normal for your glucose or blood sugar to rise. You're seeing my hand moving up like as if I'm going up a roller coaster. You don't want it rising out of range, but it is normal for it to rise. 
Insulin is a hormone produced in your pancreas that appears and helps bring the blood sugar down. So you would think that a zero calorie or sugar-free thing wouldn't necessarily have this insulin response, but they absolutely can. So for someone who's metabolically happy, healthy, rather, maybe you don't care. But if you're someone who is dealing with type two diabetes, like you do care, you, you don't want to be unnecessarily stimulating your insulin response. All right. Another one, healthy meat alternatives, faux meat. I didn't put this in the article. <laughs> I call it mutt is marketed as healthy vegan fare. Here's the problem. It's filled Filth, look at the ingredients. Like I said, just it went in doubt, look at the ingredients. Cheap fillers, industrial inflammatory, nasty ass fats, those seed oils that I always poke fun at in every podcast. So here it is, and chemicals. And this mutt is often made with real meat cells. So if vegetarianism is your aim, hey man, go the natural route, embrace your real whole foods. Just don't get fooled into thinking that this stuff is healthier than real meat. Finally, heart healthy. This is the worst of the worst. Why? Because it's brought to you by the American Heart Association, which by the way, was started by Procter and Gamble. That's a big ass food producer. These products proudly feature the A. HA's little red heart indicating that the food is good for heart health. But in reality, y'all, some of the worst food-like products think your refined vegetable and seed oils have been awarded this meaningless medal. Dr. Kate Shanahan, author of Fat Burn Fix, refers to the following oils as the hateful eight. I've said it before, it repeats. Excuse me. It bears repeating. Canola, cottonseed, corn, soybean, safflower, sunflower, rice bran, and grapeseed. Not healthy. It is worth noting, however, that there are some oils made from seeds which are healthy sources of fats. So it's not technically correct to say that all seed oils are horrible. So this is sesame and flax. You'll want to use caution cooking with those. You want to keep it, they're really better finishing oils, more of a flavor enhancer. And if you are going to put them over heat, keep it really low because you don't want the oils to oxidize. So like a grapeseed or a soybean, which I think is the worst of the worst, these are already inflammatory. When you cook them in high heat, they become oxidized and it's terrible. This is why I call these metabolic wrecking balls. So Heart healthy, no bueno. That's the kind of stuff that's heart healthy. So if you see that little red heart, I'd be running in the other direction. <laughs> so the examples I just gave are but a few of the multitude of masks placed over our eyes as we try to navigate the aisles of a mainstream grocery store. So y'all need to be aware. You need to be conscious. You need to always read the ingredients label. And remember, when it's trying too hard, it's marketing. It's not food. So in closing, y'all, 
Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for your support. I always, always love to get your questions, whether you want to send them via Instagram, LinkedIn, from my website, wherever you want, you can respond to my subscriber email. If you have show ideas, let me know. We're on Instagram at Nourishment Mindset, ditto YouTube, and on LinkedIn, Dixie Huey. And I thank you again for your support from the bottom of my heart. I've got the next episode, we're going to have a special guest on. And then the episode after that, I'm going to be talking about my trip to France. I got some really cool footage of a market, a Provençal market in the city of Avignon. It's actually an indoor Provençal market um, that ended with like all ages, just dancing. It was, it was wonderful. I love, talk about pleasures of the table. <laughs> You're dancing in the market. Maybe we should start a thing, dancing in the produce section of the supermarket. Anyway, I wish you a healthy and happy couple of weeks. I will be back in a couple of Tuesdays and I look forward to receiving your questions, comments, show ideas, etc. Sante, y'all.